You're listening to episode number 33 of the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. In case you haven't noticed, this show has had exclusively female guests for the eight months of its existence, but this week we are taking girl talk to a whole new level because we are talking all things hormonal health, periods, and birth control. Think of this episode as a super empowering, mind-blowing upgrade in place of what high school health class should have taught you about your health. I sat down with the incredible Dr. Jolene Brighton, who is a functional medicine naturopathic medical doctor and the founder of Rubis Health, a women's medicine clinic that specializes in women's hormones. She is recognized as a leading health expert in post-birth control syndrome and the long-term side effects associated with hormonal contraceptives. Dr. Brighton is the best-selling author, speaker, and regular contributor to several online publications and apps, and she has her very own book coming out in just a week called Beyond the Pill that I can't wait for her to tell you about. I am so grateful for the work Dr. Brighton is doing in women's health, and she has so much knowledge to share in this episode. We talked all about women's experience with traditional Western medicine, how we can feel more empowered and in control of our health, the basics of the menstrual cycle, and why it's not that complicated. And we really got into the nitty-gritty of hormonal birth control and the need-to-knows for before, during, and after using hormonal contraceptives. If you're a woman, which odds are you are, I know my audience, you need to know this stuff. And I'm so happy that you're here. If by chance you're not a woman, then this episode will give you a whole new respect for the female body. So buckle up. And before we meet Dr. Brighton, let's get into the review of the week. This one is from Blondie Tay. And she said, eye opening five stars. I absolutely love the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I love your genuineness and the topics you talk about weekly have been so helpful in my new turned pathway. You support others wholeheartedly and I love your desire to learn and not judge others' journeys. Thank you for staying true to yourself and helping encourage other women on the way. Can't wait to see where 2019 takes you. Well, thank you so much for the glowing review, Tay. At the end of the day, this podcast is truly about educating and empowering women to take control of their health and their lives. So it's really great to hear that we're accomplishing that mission with this episode in particular, it's not about shaming women who are on hormonal birth control or doctors or anyone. It's about bringing us all up together. It's 100% about sharing the information that women deserve to know about their bodies so that we can all feel in control and like we know what's going on within ourselves. So thank you, Tay, for listening and acknowledging that. I would love to send you a limited edition Grind and Be Grateful t-shirt. So once you hear this, go ahead and DM me on Instagram at Marie E. Wold to let me know and you'll I'll get your size and your shipping info. If you're listening right now and you're not Blondie underscore Tay, you can get a chance at winning the review of the week by leaving the show a rating and a review on iTunes. You just might be featured on the show and be a proud new owner of that limited edition shirt that aren't even for sale right now. So leaving a rating and review literally takes one minute. It makes my entire day. So thank you in advance if you do so. And again, all you have to do is go to iTunes or the Apple podcast app on your iPhone, find the ratings and reviews section and add your own. This week's episode is brought to you by my free guide, What I Eat in a Day, My Stress-Free Strategy for Balanced Nutrition, because what we eat is one of the biggest influences on our hormonal health. In my own hormone balancing journey, I have really seen the power of nutrition, but trust me when I say I know how confusing it can be to sort it all out. There's so much info out there, and it's really easy to get overwhelmed, so I put together a guide for you guys that's simple, straightforward, and breaks down exactly how I eat and why. Again, it's all about sharing information to empower your choices, and that's what this free guide is all about. You can grab a copy by going to mariewold.com slash what I eat. And once you download it, you'll learn how to choose meals that will make you feel energized and satisfied, my favorite resources for healthy recipes, how to simplify nutrition timing to fit your schedule, my go-to strategy for managing cravings and staying on track, how to create structure in your diet without adding stress. Plus, there are a lot of pretty pictures and it's just fun to read. So go ahead and grab your free copy to learn about my stress-free strategy for balanced nutrition that has helped me on my own health journey. Again, the URL is mariewold.com slash what I eat. That's M-A-R-I-E-W-O-L-D slash what I eat. And now let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, health and fitness influencer, coach, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to become their very best selves. 
Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love right now. We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, Dr. Brighton, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me here. I'm looking forward to chatting today. Yeah, me as well. And I just want to say I've really loved following you on Instagram and I can't wait to get my hands on your new book. I've already pre-ordered it and it's just so clear that you have so much knowledge and passion for women's health. But before we get into your expertise, hormonal health, periods, all of that good stuff, can you give us the rundown on who you are, what you do, and what brought you to being in this specific field? Yeah, so I am a naturopathic physician with a background. So my first degree was in chemistry. Next degree was in nutritional biochemistry, where I also studied clinical nutrition as well. So I'm a really big nerd who went to naturopathic (laughs) medicine so that I could also get the philosophy of working with the body, honoring the body's capacity to heal. And, you know, I actually, (laughs) I was a really sick kid with a lot of digestive issues who leveraged food as medicine to heal myself. And so that made me think, okay, I'm going to go into gut health. Like that's what I want to focus in. Thank goodness for that. Because I mean, that's everything as we've come to understand. But as I was in naturopathic school, I started to recognize that there was a lot of things lacking in women's medicine, a lot of assumptions being made. And, you know, I fortunately had incredible mentors that really showed me like how to hold space for a woman and how to, you know, work with her hormones and really listen to her story. And during that time, I decided to change and to go into women's medicine with that focus. And I started doing clinical rotations in a homeless youth clinic. And in a homeless youth clinic, these women are a high-risk population. They're really susceptible to sexual assault. And as you can imagine, it's not an ideal scenario for getting pregnant. And so birth control is absolutely essential for these women and really enables them to be able to take charge of their health in that way. And what I found is, is that in this homeless youth clinic, it was state run. And so we would give a lot of the side effects and the rundown on all of that with hormonal birth control. But as I was interning in, you know, general medicine practices, that wasn't necessarily happening. In fact, it was more like, oh, you're going to college? Great. Here's your birth control pill. See you later. Mm -hmm. And there was no discussion of these side effects. Now, while all this was going on, you know, I really should have started the story with like the moment I realized that I was only fertile one day of the month was when I was sitting in my first year of naturopathic medical school and I decided to come off the pill at that time. Now I used the pill for a decade. Thank goodness I had that tool that I could leverage so that I could become a first generation college student and become a doctor. I remember just being like, hold up, you just said that I'm fertile one day of the month and yet I'm suppressing my hormones every day. So as I decided to go into women's medicine, I also came off of hormonal birth control, at which point I developed post-birth control syndrome, lost my period for the first time in my life, and my face exploded in acne, plus the rage and all the mood symptoms that went along with it. And, you know, my doctor made me feel like I was the only one that this ever Mm. happened to. And then, you know, it's something that I felt like I was a freak. I was like, something's wrong with me. I'm broken. And my doctor's like, yeah, sure. That makes more sense (laughs) than the fact that, you know, 10 years of suppressing your hormones could have done anything to your body. Right. You know, fast forward to my private practice in which I told my husband, I'm so over talking about birth control that like, I don't ever want to talk about it again. If a woman wants birth control, her gynecologist can handle that. And I'm just going to do all this other stuff. Like I'm going to work on thyroid health, autoimmunity, Except that like every one of my autoimmune patients like had this commonality of using hormonal birth control at some point in their life. But in addition to that, I just got, you know, I got known as the doctor who believed women's birth control stories. And so, you know, women started calling me up saying like, you know, I heard that you believe women's birth control stories. And I was like, I just believe women's stories. Like it's just called listening Mm. to your patient. And, (laughs) you know, women would come to me with like, I got a marina IUD or I started a pill, I had the depot shot, and these are the things I'm experiencing. And what I came to observe is that I was never a freak. In fact, um, the majority, if not all of women, they struggle to come off of hormonal birth control. And as we're going to talk about, like once you understand 
what it does in your body, it's really easy to see how it can cause some big trouble and you can have some issues when you decide to break up with it for good. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was my journey on how I really got into the work. It's just really funny. Like my husband was laughing at me as we were getting closer to the book coming out. And he's like, remember that time you were like, I'm never going to talk about birth control again. And now you wrote a book about it. And I'm like, somebody had to write a book about it because everything I was seeing in my practice, I was like, I went through this. I wish somebody would have told me this when I was 17. Like, why Mm -hmm. doesn't this resource exist? Like, why are we not talking about this? Yeah, it's so funny. You said the, oh, you're going to college. Here's your birth control story because that's literally what happened to me. Like, I started birth control in high school, but no one told me that there were any side effects at all. Like, no one was talking about it. I don't think my parents knew. Like, it was just very cut and dry process. And I didn't even realize that there were any consequences to it until years later when I actually like coincidentally had just taken myself off of it because I wasn't sexually active. I never took it to like fix my acne, quote unquote, or anything like that. So I just, I went off of it and I felt so much better and I kind of connected the dots on that. And I also really resonated with you talking about how doctors don't listen to our stories. And you actually said in an Instagram post recently that women's medicine is often done to women and not with them. And I found that just so powerful and unfortunately really relatable. So can you talk about kind of like the difference between the approach of traditional medicine and how that looks and feels like for women versus what you do in your practice and what you hope becomes like the future standard? Yeah. So, you know, that's really what led me into women's medicine is when I made that observation, when that little light bulb went off and I was like, wait a minute, everything's being done to us, like to us. Like I think everybody can relate to this. Like when you get your bottom smacked on a guide table and you're told to scoot down, like gross, weird, (laughs) why are you doing that? Like stop that. I hated that. You know, the very first time I had a gyne exam, they overheated the speculum. Now they mostly use plastic speculums, but they overheated the speculum and they inserted it. And I was in excruciating pain. And Mm. I was basically told like, you're just being overly sensitive and it's not that big of a deal. And like, you know, scoot to the end of the table. And like, you've got to be at the end of the table. And there's things that are necessary so that we can do this work. But like when I was taught in naturopathic medical school, you know, my gyne instructors, one of which you will find on Instagram, Dr. Carrie Jones, you know, it was like, we're going to first walk a woman through like everything we're going to do before we touch her. She's going to know where she's going to be touched, what that might feel like. We're going to hand her a mirror that if she wants to be looking at her vagina at the same time we are, or checking out what we're doing, that she feels in control of that. And what I observed is that, you know, a lot of times women get on that guy table. And then the first thing they do is just like abandon their body. And Mm energetically, you will see this where like first she goes up into her head and then it's just kind of like gone. And it's like this surrendering, like I'm not even going to be attached. And that really struck me because it's like what is being done to you, it's feeling like you are so out of control. The only way for you to cope with that is just to leave, like to just like check out altogether. And I certainly, I did that for a long time, for sure. And I have, you know, in Beyond the Pill, you'll read a bit about my trials and tribulations with gynecology and what I went through and why it's like, oh, of course I didn't want to go into women's medicine because like there were some major things done and said to me that left me with some PTSD of like going back to the gynecologist. And it really doesn't have to be that way. And, you know, I had the privilege of training with Pammy Lynn Kent, who wrote The Wild Feminine. So training in holistic pelvic care therapy. And that's all about energetically bringing women back into their womb space and getting them to really own that space and their power. Because the other point of it is that society tells us that our bodies are something to be ashamed of, that our periods are to be ashamed of, that you know there's something broken about being a woman. And then the narrative goes like, you're just too dumb like to understand your hormones because they're just so mm. complex. And that's just really not true. And so, you know, it's something that when I'm working with a patient, so for example, like my, my son actually, he's been having some issues. And even before I touch him, I let him know what's going to happen and I get consent first. And I think this is like 
when we're talking about the bigger picture of consent, like that's been a big conversation going on for a while now, as it should be, should have been happening a long time ago. But we have to also recognize that in healthcare, there's a consent that needs to happen and that verbal consent when we're doing physical exams. So, you know, that's one piece is that before you touch a woman, let her know, I'm going to touch you here. This is what that's, you know, my hand's going to be cold, or this might be warm. Like, just giving the senses heads up to that and then having her be an active participant. So, well, the first thing I want to say is that your doctor went to medical school absolutely 100% because they want to help you. And nobody gives up a decade or more of their life for joy. Okay. They do it mm-hmm. because they really, really are passionate about helping people. And the way the system's set up right now is you only get a handful of minutes with your doctor. And it's just really unfortunate. Like doctors and patients are both frustrated with all of this. So don't go hating on your doctor and understand that like, you know, there's just so many nuances. We could talk for hours just about that all together. But I think so often it's like, okay, so, you know, if this, then that, if this, then that, if this, then that, and there is no conversation. It's just like, oh, you have this? Well, you're the same as everyone else who has this. Therefore, you get the same cookie cutter approach. And that doesn't really work. Like we know way too much now. So when you go and you meet with a naturopathic physician or a functional medicine doctor, you're going to get more individualized attention. You're going to get more time with your practitioner and you're going to be, you should be an active participant in that. And so, you know, my motto has always been in my clinic. I don't heal my patients. I teach them how to heal themselves. Like Mm, there shouldn't be this dependency, thank you, that there shouldn't be this dependency that you have to see your doctor for every single answer. Like if you're paying attention and tuning into your body and understanding how the choices you make interact with your body, like that's how we create your own user manual. And that's what I help patients do is I help them build their own user manual. So they can 180 those symptoms, they can feel better. But when things get a little bit off, they know how to course correct themselves. But you know, in women's medicine, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, we see this HPV is one of those where a woman will go to a doctor, she has HPV, they're like, okay, yeah, you're going to have this, you know, colposcopy, or you're going to get a leap procedure, we're going to cut off the head of your cervix. And we're going to have like no discussion about that. She gets a second opinion. And that doctor's like, we should recheck that. But you know, in the first scenario, she may have been driven by fear. And I think that's a big part of what I'm trying to move out of women's medicine is fear based decisions. No one's ever been served by making a decision out of fear. And certainly in medicine, I mean, it doesn't serve us. We are scared to going on hormonal birth control. We are scared about what will happen when we come off. We are feeling fear while we're on it. And I'm really hoping with Beyond the Pill, we can dispel those fears so that decisions can be made because you have all the information you need. And at the end of the day, you know you made the right decision for yourself, not because you didn't want to disappoint your doctor, not because you felt afraid and you didn't have enough information. So you just made the decision that you thought, you know, your mom would want you to make or your doctor would want you to make, but really helping you take the reins of your health. And you, if you've been following my Instagram, I said just a few weeks ago, like take the reins and drive the chariot like the goddess you are, because Mm, nobody's going to drive it better than you. Yeah. I think a big thing with that, like just the dynamic in women's health is We aren't really taught anything about it. I just remember in, I think, maybe fourth grade, we had, like, our one single, like, girls' health class. And, you know, we got separated from the boys. And they came in and they gave everyone, like, a little kit for when they got their period. Like, we got a pad and a tampon and a tube of deodorant. And they were like, okay, you're going to eat your period. And you use this to stop the blood. And then that's it. Like, we didn't know what that meant. Like, I didn't even know but the difference between like a period and ovulation until I was probably like 18. Like there were so many things that I was never told and so many things that were so important and it would have been really empowering to have that information and have been able to like know what I was getting myself into when I went on birth control, what my other options were. Like there was just no conversation. And so I think the biggest thing that I love that you're doing is just empowering women to make informed decisions. And the more you know about something, the less scary it is too, right? Like if you can identify the unknown, it instantly becomes less scary. Totally. And like, you know, so many women can relate with like sex ed just being an epic fail. Like, and that's really, I mean, that's one of the places where the fear starts. It's like, I don't know who got the idea that if they teach us that we can get pregnant any day of the month that like somehow (laughs) is going to prevent pregnancy. 
And if you are, if you're someone who does that and you're listening to this, stop it. Like, can you just stop that? Because it's misinformation and it serves nobody. And the sad reality is, is most of us don't even know when we can get pregnant, how ovulation works until we set out to become pregnant. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, you should be able to understand Mm. your body. And so, you know, I, I don't know that I'm going to take on trying to change sex ed because that is a political bureaucracy kind of nightmare. And then like same with medicine, which is why I'm like, I'm going to write this book. I'm going to put the medicine directly into women's hands because the change yeah. we need in women's medicine, it won't come from doctors being like, we need change. It's going to come from women owning their body, demanding better and showing the world what is possible, that you can heal your body that you can work with it. And, you know, it's really funny because as you said that, uh, you were talking about like you were handed a tampon. I'm reminded of the Joe Rogan like stand-up that was on Netflix recently where he he actually says, you know, tampons had to be created by a man. Like, Yeah, that, oh my God. That, that, was, like, that was so funny. I died laughing. I must have watched that like 30 times. He's just like, yeah, you know, like a woman's like, oh, I would make a pad and like let it flow and this is natural. And like we see that with like thinks like the, and like period panties that are coming out. And he's yeah. like, men, they're just like, oh, just put something up there. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Just plug it up and it'll, we don't have to worry about it. Like, uh, yeah. And that's just, that's like, that's the entire mindset around it. And I think going back to the making decisions based on fear, like, I think a lot of people turn to birth control because they're more afraid of getting pregnant than they're afraid of the symptoms. Mm -hmm. And they think that birth control is their only option. And so they just, they make that fear based decision and there's no discussion. And so, now we've talked about how like there's so much that people aren't talking about. There's so much that there is to learn. And it's not so complicated that we can't take ownership over our own health. And so if someone is now convinced, they're like, okay, I want to learn more. What are the most important things that women should know about their hormones? Like where should they start even? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, step one is understanding your menstrual cycle. So when you read Beyond the Pill, there's an entire chapter called The Lowdown on Your Hormones, which helps you understand the core primary hormones that are related to our menstrual cycle. I just say that because there's so many hormones in the body, but it gives you the whole like roadmap and and the lowdown on your sex hormones and, and your the very important hormones that you should definitely know about as a woman. And then the other thing is I think you should know how your menstrual cycle works. I mean, if you understand how your menstrual cycle works, what hormones are coming into play, it's so much easier to troubleshoot where the issues are coming up. You know, we see this with like hormonal headaches where women are like, well, I always get headaches right before my period. And it's like, okay, well, is it like the week before your period or is it like right before your period comes, right before my period comes? Well, that's likely because your hormones are dropping to trigger that bleed and you may have had estrogen dominance before that. So you know, with understanding the menstrual cycle, you also have to understand the interplay between the adrenals and the thyroid as well. So there's something called the ovarian adrenal thyroid access. And you know, when I explain this to women, I like to say, you know, there's think of a pyramid and your adrenal glands are really the base of the pyramid and they're going to secrete cortisol, DHEA, which can become estrogen or testosterone. That becomes very important as you enter into menopause, which is why taking care of your adrenals now is absolutely essential. And then you're also going to have epinephrine, norepinephrine, and aldosterone being secreted from your adrenal glands. And your adrenal glands, if they, if that base of that pyramid is crumbling, if it's out of balance, the entire pyramid is going to basically topple. So right above the adrenal glands would be the thyroid hormone. And at the very tippy top is the sex hormone. So if you don't have your adrenals and your thyroid dialed in, then those sex hormones, they're never going to be in balance. Mm-hmm. Now, the thyroid is a butterfly gland that sits at the front of your neck and it secretes T4 and T3. Now, T3 is your active hormone. It's your mood, your menses, metabolism. And while a little bit comes from your thyroid, the majority is actually coming from the T4 being converted to T3 in other tissues like your liver and your gut. We also see it in the kidneys and really what we call peripheral tissue, so outside of the thyroid. And with that, if you have a thyroid imbalance, you can end up with irregular periods. You can end up you know, with periods that just go missing altogether. You can have bleeding that happens too frequently. And so with that, I mean, this is where we get in trouble. If we passed you hormonal birth control without asking what might be going on, then we could be covering up these period problems all the while a thyroid disease is left to progress. Mm -hmm. That's actually pretty much exactly 
what happened to me. Like I was a really high level, like an athlete. I played volleyball in high school and Mm -hmm. in college. So I was pushing my body to the max. I probably wasn't eating enough. And so I was also like taking caffeine to try to keep me awake to study, things like that. So my body was chronically stressed. I wasn't feeling it enough. I wasn't recovering enough. And I wasn't getting my period. And literally my doctor, he said, oh, your TSH levels are fine. Let's put you on birth control to regulate your period. Like that Mm -hmm. is what I was told. And now I know so much more. And I'm so glad that I said no to going back on the pill as like a Band-Aid for that. But that happens so, so frequently. Yeah. And, you know, that's something too that, you know, so TSH for women who are listening TSH is thyroid stimulating hormone. It's what your brain says to your thyroid and it's only a brain hormone. It's an indirect Mm -hmm. measurement of thyroid function. And while it's a good indicator, it's not the full story and it's not enough on its own. And, you know, some doctors will say a TSH of like eight is fine. That's not fine. Your TSH really shouldn't be climbing above 2.5. If it is, you need to recheck it with a full panel if you didn't already have that done and make sure that it's not creeping up because hypothyroidism is really common in women. We're the number one who get it, you know, women versus men. It's us. And that can be something, you know, I've, I've definitely had patients who were put on the pill for irregular periods and then they come into my practice and I'm like, okay, let's talk about this. And they tell me, okay, yeah, I had irregular periods. I also was really, really tired. And I started like having problems in my classes because I was having brain fog. And that's when my Mm. hair loss started. And yeah, I was constipated. And it's like, are you serious? Are you serious? And your doctor didn't do a thyroid panel. Like, what is that about? And so it's just about doing our due diligence, asking why until we can't ask why anymore, because women deserve that. And if they want to use birth control to manage their symptoms, 100% they're right. But a doctor really should be asking why, because our jobs are to keep them safe. And that's true preventative medicine is to ask, what is going on right now? Why is this happening? And what is coming in the future if we don't figure this out and we don't act on this? And the same is true with like, what is coming in the future if we do put you on hormonal birth control and don't consider these things? Now, we were talking about the sex hormones as well. And this is, so, you know, the same mechanism that causes TSH to go up can actually shift prolactin, which is a breastfeeding hormone, but that will also shut down your period. And so that's how that's related. And then when it comes to sex hormones, we primarily think about estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone. And when it comes to your menstrual cycle in medicine, we have three phases that we talk about. And you will read that some people, they talk about four phases. They like to split the period off from the follicular phase, although it's very much the follicular phase. But, you know, there's some different things going on. But I'd like to explain why medicine doesn't, you know, put the period separate from the follicular phase. And that's because the follicular phase begins the first day you have blood flow. So the first day you have a period, that's day one of your menstrual cycle. And at that point, your hormones have dropped, and that's what triggers the bleed. And the bleed is the shedding of the endometrial lining. So the lining of your uterus that was prepping for baby, no baby, great. Shed the lining, start again. Now, in the follicular phase, while you still are bleeding, your hormones are shifting to get ready for baby. And so with that, you are actually building a follicle. So follicle-stimulating hormone, FSH, begins to rise. Estradiol is already beginning to rise. So that begins to rise very early into your period. And that whole phase is really prepping for ovulation, which is what comes next. Now, estrogen is your main player in that phase. And so estrogen is the diva there. She should be high. And then estrogen will spike along with luteinizing hormone, and that will trigger you to ovulate. Your ovulation phase is about 24 hours. Some experts and researchers said it can last 36 hours, but for most women, you're only that egg is only going to survive a day. After you ovulate, what's left behind is a structure in the ovary known as the corpus luteum, and that secretes progesterone. Now you're moving into your luteal phase, and that's where most women will have symptoms. Now, Some can have symptoms like breaking out prior to ovulation due to excess testosterone. And I talk all about acne issues in my book as well. But for most women, you know, the PMS issues, they're coming up in the luteal phase. And a lot of times it's because either we're not making enough progesterone or we just have way too much estrogen relative to the amount of progesterone that we have. Now, if you become pregnant, that corpus luteum will continue for you until the placenta takes over. If you don't, hormones drop. You shed the lining of your uterus and you start over again. Does that all make sense? 
Oh, yeah. I think this is, like, so interesting, and I hope that... I think you explained it really clearly, and I hope that people now can see that, like, it's not as complicated as it's made out to seem. And even, like, if you're still not clear and you're listening, I would Google, like, what can they Google to see a chart even of, like, what hormones come into play and rise and fall just so they have a more, like, visual representation? There's a whole chart in Beyond the Pill. <laughs> Perfect. So I so put a whole chart in the there book. for that. <laughs> it's not as complicated as it's made out to seem. And I think it's so empowering to know what's going on because once I learned about this stuff, I could literally pinpoint, I'm like, oh, I think I'm ovulating today or even like whatever, like how my discharge is, for example, is another thing that you can use to like get feedback from your body. Like there are so many ways to know what's going on and then it doesn't make your health like this scary unknown variable. It's something that you're in control of and something that you can make informed decisions on, which is so important. Mm-hmm, I agree. So with all of the birth control talk, we haven't quite like defined exactly why it's not the most advantageous choice for your health. So can you explain like what role it plays in our hormonal system and what sort of things people should know before they decide to go on it or to go off of it? Yeah. So hormonal birth control, when we talk about the the pill specifically, because the IUDs don't always shut down ovulation, although they can, Mm. and it's in the package insert, always read your package inserts. But with like the pill, its job is to shut down ovulation. So same with the patch, you are taking this hormone. So when you take something like the pill, you need to take enough hormones to shut down how your brain is talking to your ovaries. And that is shutting down your full reproductive system. So the moment you start taking it, you're flooding your system with synthetic hormones. The whole cycle stops. Now you're on mute, essentially. There's not going to be your natural estrogen production because there's no ovulation. There is no progesterone production. That synthetic progestin you're taking is not the same. And with that, your ovaries are going to decline in producing testosterone. And that might sound like a good thing if you're having testosterone related acne. But that also means that, like, you know, testosterone is really important. It's part of our motivation. It's why we feel like we can kick ass every day. You know, it helps with muscle mass, it helps with your bone health, your heart health, and it gives you energy. And then there's that libido bit. (laughs) Like, there's also that. And, like, Mm -hmm. why'd you start the pill? Hopefully, for contraceptive reasons. So when you're on hormonal birth control, that's one piece. You're shutting down your reproductive system. And, you know, there's this idea in medicine that somehow like your reproductive system is completely separate and it has no impact on other systems. Which, totally isolated. Yeah, yeah. Like why would your gut and your hormones ever be related, right? <laughs> it's hilarious to me to think about like I bought into that at some point. Like at some point mm-hmm. in my life I was buying into this. Like I spent, you know, for two years I thought it was really clever because I'd like skip my period for like three to four months and I'd be like, I don't have to have a period unless I want one. Yeah, I did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. and then like two years of <laughs> like that. life hack. Yeah, totally. And like two years of that. And, you know, even though my doctor's like, you could do this for the rest of your life, there was this little voice in me that was like, girl, this ain't right. Like, mm -mm, mm -mm, Mm -hmm. just stop that. So the other things that hormonal birth control does that like you should definitely be aware of. So one is if you have a family history of autoimmune disease, you're going to be at higher risk of developing autoimmune disease. The most notable studies have been on Crohn's disease in which they've shown that you spend five years or more on the pill and you're 100% more likely of developing autoimmunity. So that's a conversation that we can have before we start a woman on hormonal birth control. And then we can monitor not just her symptoms, but her labs, because a lot of times antibodies are going to show up before the symptoms actually show up. So that's one piece. The other piece is like, do you have a family history of depression or anxiety? Do you personally have depression or anxiety? You're going to be at higher risk of those things. And, and you know, there's a strong association there between mood altering effects, you know, birth control and, you know, suicide risk. I mean, there's some scary things that can happen. And I have an entire chapter on mood in my book. It's all about taking back your mood because you shouldn't ever feel like at the mercy of anxiety and depression, something else is going on. And that's your body's way of speaking up and talking to you. Now, hormonal birth control also depletes nutrients. So we want to make sure that you don't have a malabsorption condition before you start that because then that's going to be an uphill battle. It also is very hard on the liver. So if you have liver disease, not such a great idea. 
If you have a family history of heart attack or stroke, you should definitely have lab testing done and see where you're at in terms of your risk factors. I outline genetic testing that can be done in my book as well. So that you don't have to be afraid. You can be knowledgeable about your body, but that should be considered before you start that. And then if there is a family history of thyroid disease or adrenal disease, keep that in mind that hormonal birth control does affect how your thyroid functions, how your adrenals function, and it's inflammatory. So that can be an issue for a lot of women. We know inflammation is at the root cause of many chronic diseases, as is poor gut health. And hormonal birth control can lower microbial diversity, lead to intestinal hyperpermeability, or known as leaky gut. It can cause like vaginal yeast infections, pain with orgasms. I mean, there's a lot of things to consider. And I go through those the best I can while making a book that you can still hold in your hands um, because there's a lot of information I wanted to put in there. But, you know, I go through all of that so that. You can be in the know, you know, before you start hormonal birth control, if you're on it, you can know how to safeguard against those things, how to take care of your body and what to look out for and what your doctor should be monitoring. And absolutely when you should definitely see your doctor to have a discussion about that. Right. So it's not that no one should ever have hormonal birth control. Like you're not necessarily no, never in that camp, like kind of the extreme. You're more, here is all the information that you should consider first. Here are the conversations that you should have with your doctors so that you can make an informed decision and know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. I would never advocate for taking away contraceptive options in women. And I also think that you know, at the end of the day, I don't know your life the way you know your life. Mm-hmm. And like I, you know, started this conversation, I worked with a high risk population. Like birth control was right. absolutely something that, you know, served them. I am, you know, a first generation college student. Like we can't deny that hormonal birth control has been tremendous in the women's movement and our ability to choose when to get pregnant, to have careers. And it's a tool that we should all have access to. And you can always decline it. That's totally your choice. Or you, know, if you want to do it and you feel like that's best for you, then who am I to say that I know better? I don't know better than you, mm-hmm. but I will give you the tools so that you can stay safe on it, help you transition off of it so you don't have to feel stuck on it and, and afraid of that. And then also give you, you know, the guidelines of like, check on these things. If you're on birth control right now and you're hearing this and you're feeling afraid, go look at all of that. Get the lab testing done, investigate it. I actually, you know, when a lot of, I just want to say like, I have so much gratitude. Thousands of women have been pre-ordering this book before it came out. And my son got really, really sick. And I couldn't do everything that I had planned on doing to help this book be a success. For people who don't know, because I didn't know, you author a book and you're like, I'm going to write a book. And then you write this book and then they're like, great, now you have to tell everybody in the whole world about it and help it like get out into people's hands. And you're like, oh, that's the next level yeah. business right there. Okay. And I was like, I can do that. I can talk a lot. Like, I got this. And then my son got really sick and I, you know, I just had to dial back. I'm like, I'm a mom first. I have to dial back on all of this. And so I put together a whole bunch of bonuses and I really just, I call them the gratitude bonuses because so many women were like, we're going to help spread the word for you. Like we're going to, we're going to get your book now. We're going to tell everybody about it. So I put together these gratitude bonuses. And one of the things I considered is, is like, okay, if I was hearing me talk right now, what would I want? And one of the things is like, what lab testing should I get done and what can I do? And so mm, when you yeah. pre-order the book, you can go to beyondthepillbook.com and there are a bunch of freebies there for you, a bunch of gratitude gifts. And one of them is a lab guide so that right away you can know, okay, if I'm having issues, here's some labs I should consider testing. Another is a nutrient depletions guide. Here's what the pill depletes of your nutrients. And here's here's what you should start eating so that you can replenish those nutrient stores. And then for some of the topics that I wanted to go deeper into, but like my publishers who are awesome were like, no, that's way too much information in one book. (laughs) I did five expert interviews with friends of mine who I trust that are, you know, brilliant colleagues. And so there's also those videos there as well so that you can go deeper. But I just, yeah. you know, I'm so grateful and just felt so touched by everybody. I was like, told my team, we have to do something special for them. Yeah, that's incredible. That is so much value. And so my next like curiosity point is if someone is thinking now, they're like, okay, I didn't know the risks. I don't really know if I was at risk for any of the complications. Like what should people be looking for 
to know if their body is not a fan of being on hormonal birth so control. So certainly mood symptoms and that's something that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty fatigued on the debate of like, sure, we don't have research whether we can say, we can't say causation. We can't say birth control causes anxiety or depression, but like, right. never mind. women have been complaining about this since the 1960s. It's like, I mean, since the first birth control trials, women have been dropping off of birth control because of these mood symptoms. You only have to do, I mean, get on Instagram, get on an Instagram post of mine, like go to a forum and you will see thousands and thousands of women are consistently reporting the same story. So should we be waiting for a randomized control trial or some study to come out to validate women's stories? I don't think so. I think we don't have time to wait for that anymore. Because women's medicine needed to change like yesterday. And rather, you know, what I really think is like, can we all stop the debate and say, okay, there are thousands of women who have reported this. There's something to this. Can we move on and move forward to ask the question why? So we can understand why does it happen to her, but it doesn't happen to her because we all have a friend or maybe it happened to you who started hormonal birth control, who ended up with extreme anxiety, extreme you know symptoms of depression or mood swings or feeling really irritable. And then we also have that friend who rocked it with birth control, who was like, I feel right. awesome and yay, but why? Like, what's the difference so that we can say, if we can start to flesh that out, then we can do a better job in counseling women and we can do a better job on iterating on these things and improving what our options are. So certainly mood is something, you know, if you talk to pharmacists, they will tell you, I was talking with pharmacists who really opened up my eyes. They were like, okay, look, here's what we see. We pass that woman a hormonal birth control pill. Like once that leaves like, you know, our hands and it crosses the counter to hers, the next thing we see is that she's coming back and she's either getting a mood, you know, mood altering medication, something for anxiety or depression, or she's getting a thyroid medication, or she's getting something like a proton pump mm. inhibitor because now she has gastrointestinal symptoms. And this is something that like, when I started hearing this from pharmacists, I was like, whoa, okay, because you guys are the ones like handing that out and like seeing that person. And that's really, really eye opening. So, you know, I just want to say like, if you're taking hormonal contraceptive that is, you know, of any kind is causing you side effects that your doctor feels you need to be put on another medication, pause for a minute and consider if there's an alternative that might work better that won't give you all those side effects and that like you don't have to just jump on another medication for. So I think, you know, that's one piece is look at the mood. If you start having any kind of cardiovascular changes, vision changes, blood pressure, cholesterol, talk to your doctor about that. Those are some serious things. You start feeling fatigued. You're having gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, chronic yeast infections. You're having pain with intercourse, pain with orgasms. You're starting to notice that you're losing your hair or breaking out. That does happen with hormonal birth control. Some women, their acne actually gets worse. You know, there's, I could keep going. There's so many things that I detail in my book, but it's like, are you falling out of your normal? I mean, that's really the question. And for everyone listening, document your symptoms, document your cycle, know your baseline and your norm before you get on hormonal birth control. And if you deviate from your norm in a way that's not favorable for you, question what that prescription is doing. Will your period get lighter? Most likely. So yeah, you're going to see changes in your periods. Nobody ever complains when their period's only like a couple of days. Like, but you know, if you <laughs> yeah. are instead seeing like, oh, my period's gone, you know, altogether. You know, I had a patient recently. She had been put on hormonal birth control, left on it for ten years, and the last year she was on it, she just stopped having a period altogether. She was still doing the withdrawal mm. bleed, which is what that is. It's not actually a period. It's a withdrawal bleed from the medication, but not getting a period. And her doctor didn't think anything of it. He was like, oh, that's normal. And I was like, that's never normal. We ran a prolactin. Her prolactin was up. And sure enough, she had a brain tumor that you know is a benign wow. prolactinoma that can cause you to lose your period. But like that wasn't normal. And it shouldn't have been considered normal. And that's the thing I get really concerned about is that when you're on hormonal birth control, you, you have to understand your menstrual cycle is the fifth vital sign. Like it is that important that ACOG, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, they said like, this is up there. Your menstrual cycle is up there with evaluating your health right next to temperature, blood pressure, like your your pulse, like these things that, you know, tell us if you're going to die soon or not, or like how healthy are you? Mm -hmm. Your menstrual cycle is up there. And so 
when you're on hormonal birth control, you're missing out on that data, which no shame if, if that you're on hormonal birth control, but that means you're going to have to be dialed into your body a whole lot more because that piece of data is missing right. for you. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I think there's just a lot to consider. And I really like that you said that you should kind of take an inventory of what your baseline is before you're on the pill because you're on it for, I think I was on it for maybe four or five years. By the end of those four or five years, I thought I felt normal because that was my new normal. But then when I came off of it, I felt way better. And I was like, oh, this is how I'm actually supposed right? to feel. Like it, <laughs> you can lose perspective. But luckily, I didn't really have an issue coming off of it, but a lot of people do. And so can you tell us about what post-birth control syndrome is and what people should know about yeah. it? So as I defined it in Beyond the Pill, post-birth control syndrome are the signs and symptoms that come up on average about four to six months after stopping hormonal birth control. So that's an average. So you might, you might have symptoms the second you come off or you might have them showing up later. And what typically happens is that some women will have very mild symptoms. And then over time, it's like, okay, I can deal with that because that's how women are. I mean, we're like, <laughs> you, you see those uh, like memes about the man cold. I'm like, oh, that's the truth, right? We will, we will put up with a lot of things. And then over time, it's like, I can't handle these symptoms anymore. And then you get far enough away from birth control like having discontinued it, that your doctor's like, there's no correlation there whatsoever. Like there's no way that that's related. But really, you know, those symptoms, they were manageable and now they're not. So that's the tricky thing because this can come on like six months or more after stopping birth control, which makes your doctor, the narrative that goes with prescribing birth control, as soon as you come off of it, you'll just be fertile again and everything restores back to it was right before. Back. Yeah, right? And it's yeah. like, if this medication's strong enough to shut down my reproductive system, how could it not have some lasting effects there? And that's the thing that like, I, you know, a lot of women have been questioning that for a very, very long time. And, you know, it's very interesting to me. I just had a woman yesterday say to me, she was like, oh, you know, why am I just hearing about this now? Like I've been on the pill for 18 years and why am I just now hearing this? Is this new research? And I'm like, mm. nope. <laughs> like there's been research since the 1970s. And like, I've been talking about this for a very, very long time. Just like, it's only been in the last like three years, anyone like actually listened <laughs> to me outside of patients. I feel I feel like, you know, I'm like, I've been talking about this for a long time. Go comb through my blog. But, <laughs> you know, I think a lot of women are starting to wake up to like, there's something more to this story than what we've been told. So with post-birth control syndrome, the symptoms can really vary. So, you know, if you need a refresher, go rewind this and listen again to what can hormonal birth control do to your body and, and how is it impacting you. But, you know, some women do show up with reproductive system symptoms. So that'll look like things like irregular periods, post-pill amenorrhea, so missing periods. They might have heavy periods. They might, you know, have more PMS or worse PMS or worse mood symptoms altogether or leading up to their period. Or maybe it's migraines, new onset of headaches. Maybe it's digestive related. Maybe there are skin symptoms going on, like new onset of acne or the return of acne. So understand that in post-birth control syndrome, it can be return of the symptoms that you had previously, but it also can be brand new symptoms. And there's some doctors out there mm. that are you know, trying to argue that like, oh, all post-birth control syndrome is, is you going back to what was your normal before, which was this hormonal chaos. And, you know, oh, if you have acne now, then you had acne then. And, you know, this is very much something that I went through when I developed post-birth control syndrome. And my doctor was like, you know, when I said, I've, I've always had a period that was like very regular. And, and then, you know, I went on the pill for 10 years. So of course, like I had periods when I had withdrawal bleeds and he was like, no, you're misremembering. Like you're misremembering. They were always irregular. Oh, and I was, you know, at the time, like I was, you know, at least like I was say like old enough, like, you know, been through some stuff enough to be like, no, no, you're wrong. Because I feared my periods. Like they were seven to eight days long. I was clinching my doll, laying on the ground with a heating pad, crying my eyes out, thinking my body hated me. And I marked off that calendar like doomsday was coming. So I know my periods were regular. And he's like, you're just misremembering. And with the yeah. acne, you probably had PCOS all along. I'm like, and I was in, you know, naturally medical school. And I was like, no, I know. Like I, I have no one in my family with PCOS. In fact, like everybody in my family has lots of kids before age 20. Like that is not what's going on here. And yet that's, I think, a new, a new kind of shift on this. So, you know, I talk about post-birth control syndrome. Plenty of doctors come out and say, 
that's not real because there is no study that's ever used the word post-birth control syndrome. I'm like, oh, right. Okay. So that's how that works. Um, like, okay. And it's like, yep. yeah, never mind all the studies that do show post-pill acne, androgen rebound, you know, having these post-birth control reproductive issues. Like there are studies that have shown that. And then I just, what's a syndrome? A collection a group of these things that go together that are associated together. And it's my hope that in the next 20 years, we fine tune and refine this language. And like, it's called something different because we understand it a whole lot more, but we have to get to a place where like, we're at least humble enough and curious enough to ask those questions. But you know, there's some doctors that are like, okay, I'll give you that there's post birth control syndrome, but it's just what women had before. And if they're saying it's not, they're just misremembering and they don't know. And I'm like, that's a spin on the same old story that you've been telling women for a long time that they don't know their bodies and that you know better than they do. And that like, that needs to go away. Mm -hmm. Like that just needs to stop. And so yes, sometimes it's what you had before, but I have lots and lots of patients. I mean, acne is like one of the big ones. They never had acne. Like they have picture proof and yet their doctor will still say yeah. to them, no, you had it before. You just didn't realize it. It's like, what? Then with Post-virtual <laughs> syndrome acne, I don't know what it is about this like androgen explosion. I think it's like the fact that it hits your liver so hard. It's you know, decimating that microbiome. It's messing with your gut health to such a degree. And then it's depleting all those nutrients. And when you withdraw it, your ovaries will, they'll try to produce those androgens again. That makes it that it isn't just on the face. Like so many of my patients are like, okay, it's on my back it's on my chest. It's on my butt. Like, what is this? And it's like, yeah. yeah. And then they're like, my skin is so oily. So, you know, post-birth control syndrome can show up in a lot of ways. And I definitely detail all of that in the book. And then I give a bunch of solutions to, you know, the hair loss, the acne that can come up, how to repair your gut health. You know, my clinical experience, if you've never worked to undo what birth control has done to your body, like the leaky gut and supporting liver health and replenishing nutrient stores, like that doesn't just self-correct. Like you have to, you have to put some effort. Yeah, that was going to be my next yeah, question. You have to support your body in it. Right. It won't just like self-correct over time. Cause obviously do you think that there is a period where your body kind of just has to relearn how to even do all of these things, like secrete the right hormones at the right time? Like, is there kind of a learning curve again? Absolutely. So there's a researcher, Geraldine Pryor, who talks about this and the younger a gal is put on hormonal birth control. Let me back up and say this, cause this will help everyone understand it better. Is that when you start your period, it is not abnormal to have irregular periods. Like the brain and right. ovaries are learning to communicate. And there's a maturation process to that. Like the nervous system doesn't even mature until our mid-20s. Like, you know, we think like, oh, you're 18, you're like fully formed adult. Like, nope, sorry, it doesn't work <laughs> that way. But there's this maturation process in which some researchers, Geraldine Pryor being one who says, you know, it's going to take like 10 years for the brain and ovarian communication to really be established and for you to have that rhythm in place. And that the younger we put a woman on hormonal birth control, the more we mess with that, the harder it is for her to get her period back later, which may very well be why post-pill amenorrhea occurs. Like we don't totally understand all of these things because everybody's been too busy being like, one, we can't question birth control because that's questioning a woman's right. No, we are not questioning a woman's right. We're questioning birth mm. control so that all of us together, which includes the pharmaceutical companies, can improve on this and give women better options. Now, the right. other thing you know, with that is that what I've seen is that the younger a woman's put on hormonal birth control, the like worse the like the post-birth control syndrome is. And it's something that like, I hate to say this, but it makes me wonder if there is something really necessary and important about puberty. Because mm. it's like going through puberty again for some of these women, like the mood swings, the rage, the acne, like the crying for no reason, like all of these kinds yeah. of things. And so I think there is something getting disrupted there in that maturation process that we may very well come to understand has a significant impact on that woman's health later. And again, you know, this isn't to scare anybody or shame anybody, but it is to say, like, we need to be asking these questions. Like, we need to right. be getting a deeper understanding around all of this. And I'm so grateful that there are researchers starting to look at this and say, like, you know, ovulation is a really big deal. And for a long time, we've treated, you know, the entire menstrual cycle like it's a burden. And ladies, like, your hormones 
We're designed to give you superpowers. Like I, okay, so mm. I kick it with two men. I'm married to one. I birthed one. I love me some men, but they are not as cool as us. Like, and, um, <laughs> you know, just, I mean, just the fact like we, we cycle with the moon. Like how cool are we? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we can like build a whole human from scratch. Yeah. Like that's cool. We are the caretakers and creators of the human race. Like without us, this entire species would cease to exist. So yeah, yeah. And that's not to say men aren't important. There's always somebody who jumps in and is like, Dr. Brighton is like anti-men or hates men. And then I just have to <laughs> laugh and just be like, no, no, I just think- Women are just taking their power back. I just back. think women kick that's ass. Triggered. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. I love everything that you're doing. And I think that- it's so empowering just having this sort of conversation. But before we wrap up, I want to really quickly just go over what women's alternatives are, because I think now they're like, well, if birth control isn't going to serve me, if that's not what I want to do, like, how can I avoid unwanted pregnancy if that is truly what they're going on birth control for? So what are some of your options that you like to recommend to your patients? Every single form of contraceptive options, every every single one of them has side effects, okay? And like there's mm-hmm. fertility awareness method, which is one of the most natural. Side effect is getting pregnant, okay? So like let's be real about <laughs> it. And it's really, you know, yeah. it's never for your doctor to choose like what is best for you. I want you to also understand that. And, you know, as I come into this conversation, I will also say that, but like, if you are looking like you might have a stroke, heart attack, blood clot, something, then your doctor is going to make a decision there of like, shut that, shut that down. No hormones for you. And that's a good thing. But you know, as you enter into like you, okay, so like, what, what can I do? I, I am that girl that's going to college. I don't want to get pregnant. Now I do love fertility awareness method. It has great efficacy rates over 99% effective with perfect use. Compare that to the typical use of the pill, which is about 91% effective. I mean, the pill is 99% effective with perfect use, but I, I don't meet perfect humans. And I, man, in my 20s, I just, <laughs> no, I just laugh about it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so grateful I didn't get pregnant because we tend to take a backseat to our reproductive health when we are popping that pill thinking, because our doctor says, it's 99% effective. And in reality, the way we typically use it, it's 91% effective. Now with fertility awareness method, that is tracking your symptoms and then recording your basal body temperature. The second your eyes pop open, you place a thermometer underneath your tongue and then you record that data. You can do it with a Femtech app like Daisy or Natural Cycles. You can do it using paper charting. You can learn in taking charge of your fertility or you can take that data and plug it right into an app. There's lots of apps that do that as well. There's also other forms of fertility awareness monitoring, you know, that you can detect your pH and so that you can get more data. But you use these in conjunction with your symptoms. You need to be observing your symptoms. And I think like it's really valuable for anybody considering to use fertility awareness method, also known as FAM, meets with a FAM educator because just like, you know, when you're going to change your diet. So like as a doctor, I prescribe, you know, diets to my patients. I used to be a nutritionist. Could I make the meal plan? Could I go through all of that with them? Yes. But that's like not my strong suit anymore. My strong suit is being a doctor. So I get them over with a nutritionist or a registered dietitian to support them in that element. And so it's the same thing. I think like, you know, meeting someone who's not, that's their expertise is going to really help you get that all dialed in. And so I love FAM so much is because you're going to know so much about your body. I leverage all that data with my patients. You're going to know when you're fertile. You know, I've been using FAM for so long that I'm cycling with the moon. I cycle with the moon and Mm -hmm. I can look at the moon and be like, oh, I know where I'm at. And then sure enough, I check in with my symptoms. I check in with my temperature and like, there it is. Like, there's where I'm at my cycle. It is super cool. And so, you know, with fertility awareness method, I think it can work really well. If you have a regular cycle as your postpartum, like it's going to be more nuanced, meet with FAM educator. They can help you dial that in. And then no matter what hormonal birth control you do decide, or non-hormonal, either way, that you decide to use, try to practice some of these things because it's still going to be really, it's a great practice and it's a great way to tune into your body. Now, we also, in terms of non-hormonal birth control, you know, chapter 13 of Beyond the Pill gives you the whole run through of all these things. And so, you know, we've got our hormonal contraceptives, like the hormonal IUD, and then we've got one only one of them is a non-hormonal IUD and it's copper-based. It works for some women, not for all women. Again, chart your symptoms, get your labs. Once you place it, monitor that. If you have heavy, painful periods, you have endometriosis, copper IUD is out for you. Don't use it. Don't even look at it. It just makes all of that worse. So that one would be out if you have those things going on. 
And then we have barrier methods and nobody likes it when I say condoms, like everybody's like, Oh, condoms. And yeah, they can, (laughs) I know. Right. And they can have a a higher failure rate. And that just is because people don't know what they're doing. Get on YouTube. Like, Oh my God, I wish I had (laughs) YouTube when like I started my period. Like that, oh, there's yeah. so much. My my husband and I were just talking about that today. Like, imagine how different our lives would be with like being able to have access to everything we do now. Such a game changer. But learn how to put on a condom. And the the thing is, is that I meet with young women whose doctors have never let them know that like the pill isn't going to protect you against a sexually transmitted infection. So while right. your doctor's like, here here's your pill, off to college. They also need to let you know that human papillomavirus, there's a lot of people walking around with that, like a lot of people. It's, you know, it's estimated as like 80% of the population. And that's the number one cause of cervical cancer. And, you know, there's some speculation that hormonal birth control might make that worse. And I talk about the studies and the nuances of the studies in my book. So condoms, they're a good thing. I'm thankful. We can all be thankful we have them. There's cervical caps as well. And then there's also gel technology. There's some gels that kill sperm. There's some gels that alter the cervical mucus so that sperm can't make its way to uh, the egg. So there's a lot of options out there. And it's all about figuring out what works best for you. And if at the end of the day, it is hormonal birth control, then I hope you'll pick up Beyond the Pill and just learn how to stay safe while you're on it. And, you know, the side effects of the things that you will do in hormonal birth control is, or hormonal birth control, in beyond the pill, while you're on hormonal birth control, is you'll get a whole lot healthier. Like, you're going to feel a lot better. For sure. There are so many ways that we can be proactive about our health, regardless of whether we choose to use hormonal birth control or not. Like, that doesn't, being on hormonal birth control doesn't give you, like, the free pass to not try to take care of your hormones in other ways, you know? Yeah. I mean, it would be nice, right? I mean, that's what we all really <laughs> want. <laughs> like, that's like, we, Yeah. Just put everything on autopilot. Yeah. I mean, that's really, I think, because we don't have, I mean, oh, I, when I got the pill and I was 17, I was like, I don't have to have painful periods. Sign me up. Right. You know, it was like a decade later that I was like, wow, there's so much more going on my body in my body. And then I remember when like I started, you know, figuring out all the moon cycling stuff. And I was like, this is so cool. And I wish that like I had been like doing this all along. And but it was a necessary part of my journey as it is for a lot of women to, you know, do things they wish they wouldn't have done or they would have done differently and recognize that that's just an opportunity to learn. Yeah. I hope above all, everyone who listened to this episode just took away that like learning about your health, especially your hormonal health is super empowering and super important. And it's not scary. It's something that we should all take ownership over. So where again, can they pre-order Beyond the Pill? Where can they follow you to get more guidance and wisdom? And yeah, where are you on the internet? Yeah. So my main hub is drbrighton.com, D-R-B-R-I-G-H-T-E-N. My last name's a little bit tricky there. So drbrighton.com has free resources. Like there's a post-birth control quick start guide. So PBCS diet, drbrighton slash PBCS diet that will help you get started. There's tons of articles, all kinds of stuff lives on there. All my online programs, supplements, anything you need to find (laughs) that you've heard me recommend that will be there. And then you can also follow me on Instagram at Dr. Jolene Brayton. That's a bit of my playground. I do love Instagram. And I also have videos that I put out on YouTube as well, because I recognize that not everybody's going to learn from reading my blog and that we have different ways of learning. And so I have made videos and I continue to make videos and put them up there to help support everybody and really understanding their bodies and making the most empowered choices that they can. And then in terms of finding the book, because you asked me that and I totally forgot, uh, you can find Beyond the Pill anywhere that they sell books. Um, It's certainly on Amazon. You can get it at a local bookstore. And if you purchase the book, please take advantage of the gratitude gifts I have for you, which are at beyondthepillbook.com. All kinds of goodies just to say thank you for being a part of the change that we need in women's medicine. Thank you so much for all the work that you do and all of the just time and energy that you put into educating women because I feel the tides turning, but obviously there's a lot of work to be done and you're just a huge pioneer and like driving force in that change. So thank you so much for everything that you do and for being on the show. Oh, thank you. And thank you for this opportunity to speak with your tribe of women. And thank you for everything that you do, because it's really together that we will move forward. And I have a really good feeling about 2019. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. 
And before we leave, there's one last question because this is the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. We've got to know what's one thing that you are currently grinding toward and what is one thing that you're hugely grateful for. What do you mean by grinding towards? Just working hard for. Okay. So I am I am <laughs> working very hard towards getting this uh, book out into as many women's hands as possible. So I assume that's what you meant, grind, but then R. Yes. Kelly played in my head and I was like, <laughs> Wait, what if I got it wrong? <laughs> That's not a bad alternative. <laughs> so yeah, I am uh, totally grinding on getting this book into as many women's hands as possible and just supporting as many women in feeling that they've made the absolute best decision for themselves and that they can course correct on that anytime. So in terms mm-hmm. of what I'm grateful for, if you follow me on Instagram, you know, I get grateful for like every little freaking thing there is. <laughs> it's yeah, uh, like it. my gratitude practice is off the chain some days. Right now, <laughs> I am really grateful. We had a great day with my son. He is off of pharmaceuticals. He is functioning better. We are still riding a roller coaster, but it seems to be the lows are not as low. And I am just Super, super grateful that he, my morning cuddle routine is back. He like that was part of him getting <sighs> sick because yeah. I was getting woken up, getting kicked in the head and hair pulled and it wasn't fun. And now he actually comes oh, in and is yeah. cuddling as his little brain heals. So I'm so, so grateful for that. Yeah. Oh, I'm really glad to hear that. And I'm definitely keeping you and your family in my thoughts for his continued oh, healing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thank you again for being on the show. And I'm so excited to get my hands on your book. Everyone be sure to order Beyond the Pill. Follow Dr. Brighton on Instagram. Go to her website and definitely tell her thank you for her time and for all of the work that she's doing. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast today. I'm super happy that we are able to hang out and share some good vibes today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it, whether it's texting it to your friend, linking it on Twitter, or posting a screenshot on your Instagram story. It is all super appreciated. And please leave a short review on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of this show is for you so your feedback matters plus it would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women everywhere to become their very best selves thank you again for listening and supporting the show and until next time don't forget to grind to be grateful my friends